dreamers of all ages, and welcome to the Disney Adults Podcast, the podcast where we chat all things Disney like real adults. Let I me... meant. I, I totally cut <gasps> you, you off. That was my fault. You were off. ready to go. <laughs> I was ready. Let's meet our over-eager ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the interrupter. <laughs> I'm Mabel, who didn't use the doc that I wrote the intro on again. I'm finally getting somewhat decent at this. And we haven't recorded for like three weeks, so. It was, oh no, it's been longer than that. Has it been like a month? Yeah. Because that's right, yeah. It's been about a month. So we did the... So we posted an episode on the 30th. Yeah, we did the Muse interview, and then like, I think we that week did, the same week as the Muse interview, we did the Rebels thing. Yeah, and that was and the last one we posted. And then I got sick. <laughs> yep. And then and now yeah. it's Christmas. So Yeah, I can't believe it. So Yeah, that's our well I, I don't know. Should I do topics first or fun facts first? Let's do fun I facts. Always waver on this. Alright, our Disney fun facts. Alright. My Disney fun fact is that as of twenty twelve, a total of three babies have been born at Disneyland. Many rumors have circulated that babies born on the grounds of Disney parks will receive a lifetime pass. However, this is not true. Also, it's not true, but apparently a common rumor is that if you have a baby born on Disney parks property, Disney will make you name it after a Disney character, which is not true. I do that anyway. Right. But like, right. why wouldn't you give them a lifetime pass? That's such good publicity. Right. Like, so that's three babies through 2012. Like, you can right. give them an annual pass holder every year. Like, that's not. That's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. That's a Compared, drop. That's a yeah. half a drop in the bucket. Right. The rest of their family still has to get it. Right. You know, like the baby's yeah. going to go by itself to Disneyland. All right, sweetie. Have fun in Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Oh if we gosh. were, like, doing this with the Disney Crimes episode, all right, have fun at Disneyland with your gun as I leave you unattended. Where's your gun, sweetie? I'm going to put it in a paper bag. Go put it in that plant over there. Like, yeah, go hide it in the bushes. <laughs> you never saw me. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So I, I don't know if this is this is probably pretty common knowledge, but I was not aware that there was a Starbucks in Disneyland. Huh. And... I was also not aware. They actually kind of like intentionally made it not look like a Starbucks, and it does not use the regular Starbucks logo. Is in it order the Carnation to... Cafe? No, no. Oh. So this is in California. Um, but that's it. A, yeah, Disneyland. Yeah, Carnation Wait, Cafe. Is it Carnation? Um, I'm looking. I don't remember. So I can show you the picture, but it's on Main Street still. And to fit in with the theming of Main Street, it actually uses an old Starbucks logo. So it's this one. Like, so it's brown. That's and so cool. It. Yeah, it's one of their old logos. So it's like brown and gold and it fits more with the Main Street stuff instead of the like bright green. Um, and this is what it looks like. That's really so cool. Like, yeah, so it's actually yeah. kind of really hard to tell it's a Starbucks. Um. um but yeah, they use an old logo, so it's not that bright green Starbucks color that we all know. And then when you go in, the theming is like still kind of the it's not the modern Starbucks theming that we know and like decorations that we know. It's more woodsy and like cozy vibes. And then yeah. they don't use 
the regular Starbucks aprons, they have special uniforms. And That's they so have cool. like brown and black ap- aprons and outfits. And like they have all this embroidery and detailing on the aprons and stuff. And they have special drinks that you can, uh, Starbucks drinks that you could only get in that park. And they change them for s- the season. And they have things like the Dr. Facilier, uh, I forget what it was. It's like a, oh my gosh, I looked this up and I wrote it down. But it, they, ha- yeah, they have one that's themed for Dr. Facilier, and like it was chai tea and lemonade, and it sounded so good. And there's like a Maleficent frappe and stuff. Oh. It, yeah, so they have character-themed drinks that they change seasonally that you can only get in this one Starbucks in Disneyland. But I think we need to do a whole episode on like secret menu items and like Disney-specific <laughs> menu items. Yeah. Oh my That'll gosh, be- that would be yeah. so much fun. Because I feel like I can't go a day on TikTok without being like, order this like secret menu item at like so-and-so a place. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the Dr. Facilier Elixir. And it was layered chai tea, lemonade, iced beverage topped with uh, passion fruit tea. That does and sound then the good. Maleficent Frappuccino is blueberry and vanilla bean creme frappuccino blended with diced dragon fruit and topped with matcha tea whipped cream. That does sound good. I know those sound really delicious, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool that this big brand company was willing to change their branding just yeah. to fit in in a Disney park and did a really awesome job of. I mean, I'm sure Disney worked with them, yeah. But they also have like special cups. It's a Starbucks cup, but it also has Disney parks across the back with like yeah, cute little sparkles and stuff. It's really neat. Like, the craziest thing I've, like, seen, like, coming out of the uh, 50th celebration is, like, just all the commentary on the people, like, fighting each other in the Emporium in Disney World for the Starbucks Tumblr. And it's like, this is why people make mean memes about Disney adults. It's because of y'all. Like, you make us look bad. Knock it off. Well, and it's so funny, because, like, (laughs) in the first couple days, like, there were, like, full-on like brawls to get these cups and like now like what is it like two months after into the 50th like anyone can go in and get them like they restock the merch people yeah it was the same thing with the rose gold headbands the first couple months you couldn't get them anywhere because they could only produce so many of them and they also kind of want that scarcity yeah then it makes you more anxious to buy it and you're like oh my god it's here what if i can't get it somewhere else i just better buy it like, it's so crazy because, like, there's already scarcity built in because you can only get them at the parks. Like, unless you're going to pay a reseller, like, the scarcity is inherent. Oh, speaking of which, some Disney tea. A couple park shoppers have shut themselves down. Interesting. Because they introduced new rules for buying merch in the parks. I've seen that. Like, yeah. I know with, like, the Starbucks tumblers, it's now, like, two per person per visit. Uh, it's not just the tumblers. It's a lot of stuff, yeah. including clothing. But there are loopholes. Like, it's two per, like, SKU, SK, like, the SKU code. Yeah. So you can buy two smalls, two larges, two extra larges, two. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, but, yeah. like, so people still are loading up. But, yeah. Yeah, it's made it difficult for some of the park shoppers. And I think a couple of them may have gotten, like, cease and desist letters and stuff. Yeah. Like, so. every time I look at, like, a... A park shopper i'm just like this is out of my price range like i don't there's nothing that i like will die without uh, having 
if they had had a 2x i was going to cough up 150 dollars for that haunted mansion spirit jersey yeah i was fine with i was absolutely willing to pay it but nobody had my size so fuck yeah. you <laughs> all right um <laughs> complete shift of tone it's holiday time Yay! <laughs> um, we are talking about the changes that happen in the Disney parks for the holiday season because, oh my gosh, they do so much. So I think I'm talking about ride overhauls, uh, hotel decorations, and park decorations. And then, Mint, you're covering the Very Merry Christmas Party, Epcot, Epcot. Entertainment and Snacks, yes. and, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I think Epcot, specifically World Showcase, is one of the best places to, like, do Christmas stuff because, like, it's super mm-hmm. well decorated, like Magic Kingdom. And I think, like, the entertainment that happens at Epcot is, it's so good. And, like, um, I feel like they've pulled a lot of entertainment out of Magic Kingdom. Um, everything I'm going to be reading today is from the 2021 entertainment schedule. So it is happening this year. So if you're going to be in the parks... um up through new year's like they keep their christmas entertainment i think well into the first week of january like yeah uh, maybe all the way up till epiphany um yeah i think it is for non-catholics that's like epiphany's january January 6th 6th. yeah yeah it's when (laughs) white men arrive yeah and it's Um, my excuse to not throw the christmas tree away yes my christmas tree stays a christmas tree until epiphany um yeah even as a lapsed Catholic, that's just like one of those You're things. Like, yeah, not a practicing Catholic. Yeah, at all. But um, I just like pretty lights. Yeah, and but that allows me to keep them longer. If you are going to the Disney parks like during January, so if you're going to be there January 2022, like if you're there the first week in January, you will absolutely still have the full breadth of <laughs> Christmas entertainment, which is kind of cool. Um, a lot of people call this the Christmas hangover. And I think it's honestly just, like, because they spend so much time putting these decorations up, like, getting cast members trained that, like, they're just like, all right, we're going to keep it up a little longer. And then I don't think Mm -hmm. that, like, the next Epcot festival is until food and wine in the spring. No, is it? Or is it in February? Festival of the Arts. And it actually starts in January. Yeah. So it actually will probably run pretty close till that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I no. arrived January nineteenth, and it had just started, but that was in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if the dates change every year, but it's typically like mid to end Jan- end of January. Yeah. So the good news is about Epcot is there is a lot that you can do there without buying more than your uh, day ticket in, basically. Um, if you do want to spend a little extra money, you know, your mileage may vary with this on how much you like it. Um, the holiday cookie stroll around World Showcase is where you buy five cookies around World Showcase. And if you get all the stamps in your little cookie passport, you get another cookie. Um, so maybe that's if you're awesome. Do they have gluten-free cookies? <laughs> so like, again, like if, if the food around Epcot's important to you, this might be fun. Also, like if you're drinking around Epcot, maybe like buy yourself the cookie and like carb up food in your and, belly and yeah don't get, get some hammered. food in your belly don't go joyriding in a staff cart <laughs> um another thing that you can buy and i will give a hack for this is olaf's holiday tradition exca- olaf's holiday tradition expedition scavenger hunt which is a huge mouthful 
Um, per the Disney Parks website, set off on a merry quest hunting for holiday traditions that Olaf has gathered and lost along the way. Simply purchase your map and stickers from select festival merchandise locations. And basically, you're going to go around the World Showcase and using the stickers provided on your map, mark the tradition Olaf has found in each pavilion. Once you complete the expedition, bring your map to Disney Traders, Creation Shop, or World Traveler at the International Gateway and basically redeem an Olaf-themed gift. Um, my husband and I do this without buying the thing. And like every country, we look for basically the Olaf tradition. and. I'm pretty, I, I'm not certain. In the year we went, I'm almost positive they gave you a pin for this. So if you're really into the Disney pin trading mm. scene, this it's $9.99 to do this. And so you get the book. And then when you turn in the book, you get that um, pin. So it's $9.99 for a pin, which honestly, like, again, if you're into the Disney pin trading scene, is not crazy. Because I have seen what some of those pins go for on eBay. And it's nuts. Y'all are nuts. Yeah. But again, like, if you just want to do this just for the fun of it, like, you can just walk around and in each World Showcase pavilion, just look for Olaf and, like, find out, like, where he's hiding, basically. And that's how you can do it for free. Um, There is also, this year, again, this is, so this is going to be for 2021, a ton of entertainment around the World Showcase, which is kind of why it's my favorite to do during the holiday, just because I feel like in a defined area there's so much packed in whereas like in magic kingdom i feel like there's maybe a couple shows and most of them i don't think they even do because they want to save it for the extra magic hours mm-hmm. they want you whereas, to pay for it <laughs> yeah they want you to pay for it whereas everything in epcot happens with your price of admission so all of the entertainment that's happening around world showcase is joyful a celebration of the season which is in the showcase plaza stage and This is a gospel rhythm and blues ensemble that performs holiday music in the celebration of Christmas and Kwanzaa. Um, Please forgive me for mispronouncing all the rest of these horribly. Um, There's La Posada Celebration in Mexico Pavilion, which is for um, Navidad. Um, And this is dancers, piñatas, and a mariachi band. There's the Mischievous Barn Santa in Norway Pavilion, which is, this one's really That's fun. So it's cute. Yeah, it's Santa and like a storyteller and they are like this, like this segment's so great. I love it. Um, there's also the Chinese Lion Dance in the China Pavilion. Um, this is based around Lunar New Year and really, really cool. Um, there's Laba. Bafana, Bafana, a kind-hearted witch who visits sleeping children on the eve of Epiphany in Italy. In the American Adventure Pavilion, there is Santa Claus. I mean, you get it. It's Santa Claus. <laughs> there We're is the... we like Coca-Cola mascots. Yep. <laughs> There's the Daruma Storyteller in Japan. Um, hear the fascinating story of the Daruma doll and the Japanese customs around the New Year. Again, this is the Lunar New Year. There is a Hanukkah storyteller between Morocco and France, where a storyteller recounts traveling abroad to explore the diverse music and traditions of Hanukkah around the world. There's Père Noël in France. Again, it's Santa Claus, but it's Père Noël. Um, (laughs) There's Father Christmas in the United Kingdom Pavilion. Again, you get this. 
And then the Canadian Holiday Voyagers explore holiday customs from the various regions of Canada on a musical tour of the Great White North with the Canadian Holiday Voyagers. I've never seen them, but it sounds fun. If they're anything like the other Canadian acts, they're probably really, really good. The other really big Epcot entertainment that kind of everyone knows about because it's a mirror of the Disneyland version is the Candlelight candlelight Processional. Um, You have to buy tickets to be seated for this, but otherwise you can like kind of hang around and listen to it. Um, Each night, a celebrity narrator tells the story of Christmas, recounting the biblical tale of a savior born in Bethlehem. Woven into the production are stirring songs of hope and joy performed by an orchestra and a massed choir. I personally find this very beautiful and moving, but I'm also Christian adjacent and I love choral classical music. Your yeah. mileage may vary if you are not Christian or love choral music. Um, so one of the things that I, I, I had never heard of this at all. I didn't know they did this um, mm-hmm. until we were researching this episode because I've never been to Disney around the holidays. And like uh, I love Disney facts and stuff, but like I do try to go into most stuff spoiler free because I like stumbling across stuff and discovering stuff. So like I haven't been for the holidays. I haven't researched stuff for the holidays. And yeah. I didn't realize that they get like major celebrities. Yes, to I'm be going the to talk about like the big stars for this year. Yeah, um, and I, you can also get like dining reservations at restaurants yes. to sit and listen to this, which is so cool. Yeah, that probably books up like a year in advance. Yeah, um, this can be. <laughs> this is a huge deal. I think Disneyland generally gets the really big stars. I think a couple years ago. Um, there was a really big performance where, like, Neil Patrick Harris was the yes, guest narrator for one night. he was there for, for a week. Yeah. 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 That um, was the one that I stumbled across, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so mad, I missed that. I have seen this a couple times, and again, we didn't buy tickets, we just, like, watched from the standing room. And, again, if this is your type of deal, it is really beautiful. The choir that they have and the orchestra is gorgeous. If you are like me, and you get, like, weepy over, like, old-fashioned, like, hymnal Christmas music... Like, this is a really cool thing. Um, the guest narrators that I was most interested in for this year are Jodie Benson, the voice of Ariel. Oh. Yeah, she's narrating this year at Disneyland, or at Disney World in Epcot. Um, I'm going to totally butcher her name, but I'm going to try. Auli Cravalo, who is the voice of Moana. Oh, Moana. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know and, she's Yeah. We love I her. Love it. I love it. <laughs> and Cheetah Rivera, who originated the role of Anita in West Side Story, are like the three oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. really cool like guest narrators that they have this year. A lot of times the narrators will also be like big name imagineers or like just like like imagineering like legends or like very high up like executives within the Disney company. Um probably like so, a big honor to get asked to do it yeah it's a big deal to be asked to do it and a lot of these people are like again like jody benson like disney legends and if you are trying to get a night where again jody benson is narrating like you it'll be sold out and i would imagine that if you wanted to do standing room i'm making quotes here like they will also be doing crowd control um mm-hmm. the night that I... we saw it it was a Disney Parks executive. I didn't know who it was. I feel like the average, again, like I'm pretty well versed in like all things Disney and especially Disney Parks. I feel like the average person had no idea who this person was. Um, <laughs> so like kind of like a celebrity kind of, but like we were able to get celebrity adjacent. <laughs> yeah, celebrity adjacent. Um, 
but like again i feel like for the jody benson nights just because she is such a big star i would not count on being able to stand and watch this just because so many people will be trying one of the things that i read about this said that you might have to wait in line for like four hours yeah like they i'm pretty sure that they reserve a certain amount of tickets ahead of time and then a certain amount of like that you show up the day of Mm -hmm. like i've absolutely heard about that where people show up hours before to get like the day of reservations um Mm -hmm. so it's definitely something to look into it's pretty cool if you know that's the kind of thing that floats your boat um the next big thing i'm going to talk about is the disney very merriest after hours um this is a four-hour event in magic kingdom which begins at 9 p.m. and runs until 1 a.m. Basically, they close down the park to general admission at 9, and then the park is open to party ticket holders for the rest of the night. In years past, you used to be able to enter the park during general admission hours with your party pass about two hours before, but I'm not sure if that's the case this year, which is 2021. Yeah, and that was Um, even if you didn't have a ticket to the park right ticket for the day like you could enter the park before um the big draws of this are getting to see characters in special holiday outfits and i know i love it and the christmas time parade where it snows on main street which is amazing yeah it is like mind-blowingly cool um a lot of people are big fans of this event because you might get to see a lot of unusual disney characters that you don't normally see during the park's normal operating hours um A big example of this is, if you remember, like, it's this short, like, from in maybe, like, the 1930s, and it's, like, Mickey Mouse, like, ice skating around, and there's cows ice skating. Like, these are, these cows are very popular characters at this party, because you don't usually see them normally in the parks. Um, The parade is also spectacular, and you can only see it during the party hours. However, if the parade is the biggest and only draw for you, this parade becomes the regular parade during regular admission once the party season ends on the 21st. So if you're going to be in Magic Kingdom from the 22nd till the 25th, you can see this parade during general admission hours. So just something to keep in mind if for whatever reason the parade is the only thing you want to see. Kind of a bummer this year is there used to be multiple shows and singing acts, and this year they only have one group uh, called the Reindeer Wrangler singing in Frontierland, which is kind of disappointing because you used to be able to do this entire party just seeing the entertainment. They had multiple singing acts, um, multiple shows, the parade, and the fireworks. Um, I d- didn't see anything about it this year. They might still be doing it, but there also used to be dance parties indoors, like in Ray's Cosmic Cafe where you could like dance with characters and it was a really cute and fun way to warm up and interact with characters. But I didn't see anything about it on the website this year. So your mileage may vary with that. But if that, if they don't include that, that's kind of like another, like kind of a shame thing that they seem to have cut from the roster this year. Um, included in the cost of your ticket is f- free quote unquote, uh, popcorn, ice cream, and Christmas cookies, sodas, water, and hot cocoa. cocoa. Yeah. Hot yeah. cocoa. Um, you can also buy more expensive drinks and snacks. Uh, there's access to about 20 rides. The wait times for these are usually pretty short, but there is no fast pass or Genie Plus usage during this party. So whatever the posted wait time is, is what you're going to wait. 
the longest I've ever waited at one of these parties was about 40 minutes for Peter Pan's flight, which I will never do again. That Not ride like is it. like, I just like, I, and I had never done Peter Pan's flight before. That was like the first time I did. And I was just like, I can't believe I waited 40 minutes for this. Um, yeah. However, most of the rides will be walk-ons during the night, especially so during the fireworks show and the parades. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I think, and I could be remembering this, this wrong, and it might be different this year, I think there's two showings to the parade during this. Um, yes, I think you're right. you can pretty much walk on to anything during the parade if that's not a priority to you. Uh, this is one of those times where you should download the My Disney Experience app and creep mm-hmm. on the wait times while a party is happening and just see what it looks like. Um, and they might start to go down like just before it begins to because people will start like getting out of line. They're like, oh, we're going to miss yep. the thing. Let's yep. go. I am a huge advocate of the Christmas party, kind of. As recent as five years ago, the Christmas party was one of the best kept secrets in Disney World. These parties were reasonably sized on weekend days when they sold out. It was still a pretty pleasant experience. And on some weekdays when it didn't sell out, it was practically a ghost town where you felt like you had the whole beautiful Christmassy decorated park to yourself. It was a great opportunity to loop your favorite rides and get photos in the park with way less crowds while it's also decorated beautifully. However, these parties have gotten increasingly popular, so Disney has upped the attendance cap at them. And the low-capped attendance used to be the biggest draw of this. It really made you feel like you were getting an intimate, exclusive experience for about the cost of a daytime park pass. Um, the last one we went to was in 2018, and while we still had a really good time, even though it was a weeknight, which used to be a guarantee that the event wouldn't sell out, this did sell out, and the crowds were absolutely crushing during the parades and the fireworks shows. Um, if you don't care about either of these, that is really great, because then, you know, you can basically go and, like, do whatever. However, like, if you make the mistake of getting caught in the areas that are the popular viewing areas, it is claustrophobic. It was one of the few times where I felt close to, like, having, like, a crowd-induced, like, panic attack at Disney World. Um, so yes, getting stuck in these clouds is super unpleasant. Um, and this is something to consider if anyone in your party has sensory issues with crowds, like this party might just be a no-go. Um, I remember seeing photos from the 2019 Christmas parties and the crowds looked even worse. And I generally heard a lot of complaints about the crowd levels in general. The issue with the Christmas party is most people do prioritize the parade and the fireworks shows. So for parts of the night, the crowd is pretty much all centered in one place in the park. It's not distributed at all. Another issue is that because it's a short event, pretty much everybody leaves at the same time, which means that if you have to, if you are leaving with everyone else, if the party ends at one, if you are not lucky and you don't make your bus, you probably won't be back at your resort until after two or three in the morning. Like that's how long it takes for buses to get back there. Like you yeah. could be waiting at your bus stop at Magic Kingdom for upwards of an hour or two hours. Um, and which... like Florida's largely warm in December, January, February. At night, it is not. Yes. When it does we get went down to the 30s and 40s. Yes. When we were there in 2018, my husband and I joked when it was snowing on Main Street that it didn't feel like that big of a stretch. We were literally there in Christmas sweaters and like puffy jackets. And I mm-hmm. think it was in the 40s that night. So that's another thing to consider. Like it does get cold around 1 a.m. Um, 
So just something to consider. Uh, the other complaint was that ticket prices have increased every year, right along with the crowds. I looked up prices for the 2021 event, and they start at 209 per person. So, and so that basically means that that's for the undesirable, quote unquote, weeknights. So it gets yeah. even higher for other nights of the week. Um, I'm also going to make an educated guess that the guest cap has been raised for this year. So if you are a family of four, if you are getting the cheapest uh, pass, that's just under $850 for four hours in the park. One thing of like live entertainment other than the fireworks and the parade, some popcorn cookies and soft drinks. Like that's, that's like, that's a lot for four hours. Like, (laughs) um, there's a couple things to consider when thinking about like, if this party is best for you. Um, so like, if you have really young kids, is this going to be worth it to you with the party starting at nine and ending at one? Like, um, as you know, childless millennial attendees we love it we think this is great but if you have kids it's it's hard for me and maybe you can make this work but it is definitely something to consider like this party starts at nine um yeah i would recommend like leaving the park at six mm -hmm. or like maybe even four going and putting your kids to sleep but it'll work because they will be fucking exhausted from being in the park waking them up and then going back to the park because you're gonna you're gonna need it and again, like like I said, if this ends at one and you are getting Disney Parks transportation back to your hotel, you might not be back into your hotel until 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're going to pony up for an Uber. Um, or a another thing, Yeah. <laughs> another thing to think about when you schedule this is plan this for a day when the day after you don't have anything super early in the morning, like a breakfast reservation or a park you want to do extra magic yep. hours for. Just like give yourself that grace period. My personal advice would be not to buy a general admission park ticket for the day of, spend the day mapping and shopping and eating at Disney Springs, eat a big meal around like late afternoon, midday, and then spend the night snacking at the party. Um, Just like one final thought on the after hour parties. I generally like and have good experience with these. However, like many things at Disney lately, I think it's losing its value. Not only are these events becoming more expensive, but there's less entertainment and more crowds, so you're less likely to feel the value of your money because you won't feel like you're having this exclusive experience, which is what Disney kind of tries to sell you, is that, oh, it's so exclusive. Well, if I'm here with a million other people, it's not. And it certainly doesn't feel that way. Um, My other issue is that these events are becoming more and more common outside of the holiday season, which means that they are cutting the hours of general admission which makes mm-hmm. the general admission tickets less valuable. Um, it's not hard to imagine that in a couple of years, Disney is going to want everyone to buy two passes for a quote-unquote full day at Disney World. General admission ticket for the daytime hours and an after-hour pass, which won't really be after hours, but more like 7 to midnight. Um, I don't think that that's crazy. I don't even think it's crazy to imagine also having to buy an extra early magic hours to get into the park at 7. Um, so while I do, th- I don't know, this is something I will be curious to see how people review it this year in our post-COVID world, if people are still really heavily attending this and what it's going to look like next year in 2022. I am getting the feeling that like years from now, people will top- talk about that. Is it Chopek or Shopek? 
I don't. I always say Shopic, Shopic, Chopic. I yeah. have no idea. Whatever the fuck his name is, we're gonna figure out how to pronounce it, and it's gonna be spoken about in the same tone as the Eisner years. Like, yeah, I think he's doing a lot that's alienating some diehard fans, which is yeah. tough to do. People the, don't like what's happening. And like the thing about Eisner is like Eisner still spearheaded a lot of things that are generally popular now. Like right. now we're not even getting anything. It's like, okay, so like you're cutting back on experiences, but mm-hmm. what are we getting for it? Like I after staying in a Disney resort in 2019, which I had never done in my life, I like anytime I would talk to anybody about Disney I would say the thing I learned was I'm never staying off campus again and what they've done recently is make me say yeah I don't want to stay on campus anymore they took away everything yeah. that makes it valuable like, yeah I I totally agree like my husband and I were very devout like even though it's more expensive we will always stay on Disney property because you get so much for your money and like in the end you get so much more out of your vacation and now we're like we could literally stay off property quote unquote <laughs> at Swan and Dolphin for the mm-hmm. same cost and like have like a truly like luxury experience mm-hmm. and not have to deal with the crap that Disney's pulling right now. Yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of a shame. To, and I know COVID is putting some restrictions on stuff and yeah. that might be why they had to cut back on entertainment. It might right. be why they had to cut back on some other things. Like I do understand they have extra expenditures for sanitization and cleaning and, you know, supplies for those things. Right. I, I get that. But they could but also just not have a party changes. for a year. Right. Like, and these aren't temporary changes that they're ma- making to yeah. the hotel stays, the magic hours, all that stuff. These, the Genie Plus and all of those things, those are things that they're keeping. Yep. Just and like extra, what is it, Magical Express? Is yeah, it coming back. Yeah, you know? the Magical Express not coming. That's not changing, right? And that's that. Like that's a thing. That was a huge help. Mm-hmm. That was a really awesome thing. And like that alone would, after having been able to use that, would sway me to stay at a Disney park. Yeah, like, like we, like it was so funny. Like when we talked about like the Magical Express, we're like, you don't understand. You don't even have to think about your luggage. Like your checked luggage just shows up at your room. Like you just get on this bus and you're there. And you like to watch yeah. cartoons and sit in a yeah. seat with climate control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a bathroom on the bus. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's great. Like you don't have to worry about Ubering or getting a taxi. Like but it's all controlled by your magic band. Like yeah. you walk up to the, the little hostess stand. I can't think of what it actually is, but the person checking people in for the bus, you swipe your band and they're like, welcome, Lauren, go find a seat. You're yeah. great. Like have fun, you know? And now you have to worry about getting your luggage off the rack and everything. You didn't have to go to baggage claim. You yeah. got off your plane. You got on the bus. That was yeah. it. It was, was so it. great. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a huge help that they're now taking away. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, on that downer, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about ride overhauls. <laughs> so, yeah. I the thing that I do love about the holidays at Disney is how much they do. They do so much. Disney is extra at the holidays. Mm-hmm. And one of my the first one that I'm talking about is one of my favorite ride overhauls. And I didn't even know they did it. Like I said, I'd never really paid attention to Disney holiday stuff. I see the pretty pictures people post on Instagram. I like them. I don't. 
I don't watch ride 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 throughs. I like, yeah, not true, but like yeah. I don't really watch that. I like I it doesn't have the same magic for me as riding the ride, and I don't want to spoil stuff. I say this all the time, but I did not know that they overhaul living with the land. I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. Uh, it's already such a good ride, but yeah, it becomes living with the land, merry and bright nights. And it gets a ton of decorations, like lights on the trees and the plants and the trellises and the growing apparatus or apparatuses or whatever. There are snow people, giant ornaments, a garland arch you get to sail through. They even decorate the lab that you sail past. There are Mm -hmm. stockings and snowflakes and stuff. And there's plenty more. The narrator's speeches change and add holiday greetings. And the ride is just like super magical. And while the, the large decorations are visible all day, the best part of the right ride, like, is when the sun goes down, all the lights you can like really stand out, and it's beautiful. It's really, really awesome. I did not know they did that. I was so excited to see that. Um, the Slinky Dog Dash gets a holiday overhaul. I did I not didn't know that. that. It gets holiday decorations added, and it also gets extra. So you know when you're walking past the ride and the car talks. Mm-hmm. And it's sound effects for the people on the ride, but also they project it purposely out towards the crowds so mm-hmm. that you can hear it walking by. They add holiday sound effects to it. So there's, hmm. like, jingle bells and stuff, and it, that's really cool. Um, it's a small world, and Disneyland adds a ton to this horrific ride. Um, a fuck ton of lights on the outside, even more inside, and a bunch of decorations are added hanging in amongst the scenery. And a rendition of jingle bells is added to the background of the classic song, which doesn't redeem it much. It's still annoying as fuck. <laughs> like they added like the most like derivative holiday yeah. song to it's a small world which is yeah. already derivative yeah right it yeah no it, it it doesn't help it's still annoying if you like this ride that's fine different structure different folks i will never go on it again <laughs> their hair grows that fact still haunts me they dance um, in the night and the silent dark it's uh um all right, and now for I this I know it's a little bit controversial in a Disney fandom. I listen to off offhand Disney talk about this, and I agree a hundred percent. I I have issues with this next ride overhaul. Uh, from the end of September to the first week of January in Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion is not the Haunted Mansion. It gets shut down for two weeks. For a major overhaul. I didn't realize it was shut down that long. They shut it down for two weeks. Wow. And then cast members replace and switch out animatronics and a whole host of other changes. And they turn into Haunted Mansion Holiday. And it's vastly different from the Haunted Mansion. It's Nightmare Before Christmas. Huh. It has a large Christmas countdown clock. There's a giant gingerbread house. All the characters are there. Blah, blah, blah. It's really awesome. They do a great job. And it's a really cool ride. I, I don't have a problem with them doing it. It looks stunning. <clears throat> what I have an issue with is they do it from the end of September to the end of January. And then it takes oh, wow. two weeks to switch it out. Yeah. So if you're visiting from Oct- in October, you are right. probably going for Halloween stuff. Yeah. And there's an argument to be made that it's a Halloween movie. Yeah. But it's not. They make it a Christmas ride. There's a gingerbread house. There's a Christmas countdown clock. Like, it's a Christmas ride. So yeah. in peak Halloween season, they take their Halloweeniest ride and make it a Christmas ride. Yeah. It is it's a Disney icon ride. It's a classic Disney ride. 
people go to Disney World like to ride the haunted man like that's the ride they want to ride yeah and if you aren't really up on Disney park facts you might not go yeah. in October expecting to ride a Halloween ride yeah and get on the haunted mansion and ride a Christmas ride yeah if they did this from November when they put up the holiday decorations to January uh, that's fine but for like almost four months of the year the haunted mansion is gone right that and it must be really substantial that it's closed down for like two weeks they replace like, the animatronics like they take out haunted mansion stuff and put, i had no idea that they like replaced animatronics that's crazy yeah. it's a huge change and like if you're going expecting to ride this iconic classic ride and then Jack Skellington, sh Skellington shows up. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's October. <laughs> Why is Santa here? Right. So, like, I don't fucking care how long it is till Christmas. Give me Halloween. <laughs> it's spoopy month. Fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not a Halloween makeover. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who have gone to Disneyland around Halloween expecting to go hang with the 999 Happy Haunts and instead found a giant gingerbread house. I love right. the makeover. I don't love how long they do it. Yeah. I have no issues with the makeover. I have an issue with the length of the makeover. And if it takes two weeks to do, maybe they're leaving it that long so that they can get more time with this thing that they sunk a, a, an absurd amount of time into. But still, like, uh, come on, guys. Mm -hmm. You know, it it could be better. Um, yeah. Some of the rides get things specifically for the Very Merry Christmas event. The Tomorrowland Speedway gets lights that will only light up during the event. And uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor gets, uh, they get, like, new holiday backgrounds for the show. And then Roz, like, gets new Christmas dialogue. And she wears an ugly Christmas sweater and has Christmas decorations Aww. in her office. Uh, and uh, Mike Wazowski also gets new Christmas, like, holiday-themed dialogue for that, too. So that's pretty cool. And then the final one I'm going to talk about, and honestly, the best holiday ride change i mince like i know what this is it's jingle cruise it's jingle cruise. i love it so much jingle cruise is fucking great because unlike the haunted mansion they don't destroy the original spirit of the ride it's awesome it so this happens in both parks and in have you ever been on jingle cruise no i have not been on oh, jingle cruise so good. and i did spoil it a bit for myself doing this research for y'all so you're welcome um <laughs> But yeah, in addition to getting like a full decorative and name overhaul, and my favorite thing is that like they to overhaul they the change name, all the signage for it. Yes, in and the some park. Of it, they literally just like take an I and stick it over the U, but like in a like, look, we did this. Like it's purposely, yeah. it's purposely bad looking. It, it like fits the aesthetic of Jungle of Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Exactly. Like, I need to like really start posting on our Instagram all of my Jingle Cruise photos because I yeah. like. It's so good. They get like so many decorations and they get a whole new script for the skippers. Like yes. they talk about this... being homesick for the holidays and they get a whole new bunch of holiday jokes. And there's also a storyline for the ride that links it to the holiday decorations. So like a cargo plane has crashed and you have to travel through the jungle to find all of the presents that it dropped. <laughs> so this next part is straight from the Disney wiki. Um, so it talks about all of the places that you can see decoration changes. So there are crates dropped across from Inspiration Falls to the outskirts of the Pygmy Village. And uh, 
they aren't in so the pygmy village in disney world isn't like the same as disneyland so they their cargo is kind of like untouched uh the trashed camps the trash camp has the gorillas like discovering the christmas presents and one of them's like wearing the santa claus coat and um one of the jokes here oh yeah and then the like to one of the skipper jokes is that like oh the explorers aren't in their camp because they're off visiting their in-laws for the holidays and like the crates and gift boxes are around the trap safari pole which is now like rebranded as the north pole um the sunken cambodian temple has cargo crates and parachutes scattered around its em- entrance and the skipper jokes that it's santa's workshop um the tiger has a candy cane decoration in its mouth and the temple monkeys now have elf costumes and are playing with gift boxes and wrapping paper and stuff uh chief nami is dressed in festive red gear and rebranded as trader samta which I absolutely fucking love because yes. one, it's a Trader Sam joke and it's a Santa pun. It's so great. And then uh, his special holiday deal is three of his heads for one of yours. So yeah, the Jingle Cruise, that is an awesome ride overhaul. Can I just like interject really quick? Yeah, I was um, gonna say, you've been on this, so. This isn't even about this. I'm like, I went through like my old photos and I'm pulling up like mm-hmm. my living with the land overlay for Christmas. And I totally forgot, but like they, so they grow produce and living with the land and they make yeah. wreaths out of it. And I just <gasps> forgot like how cute it I is. Like that. there's wreaths with like vegetables and like the cotton they grow and it's so cute. And oh my it's gosh. Just, but like, it's just super cute because like they grow it like there. Yeah. There's one, oh my gosh, like this is so specific to us, but like they grew like lavender and made like a lavender wreath. And I'm like, we've done that. I'm going to pop I these in the chat. That. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> <We've> d- <laughs> but yeah. Like living with the land is so cute at Christmas. Yeah, it's that the Jingle Cruise and Living with the Land are their best ride overhauls. They do a phenomenal job. They go all out and they do it without losing the original spirit of the ride. Like, like yeah. I said, they the Haunted Mansion stuff is really well done, but like they they dismantle the ride to do it. You know, yeah. That's the disappointment. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I you should upload those pictures to the server and I'll put them on the blog because I, I need to catch up with the blog again. I'm bad at it. All right. Uh, so now I'm going to talk about some hotel decorations. And oh, my gosh, the hotels go all out. No matter which one you're staying at, it will be beautiful. But some of them have decorations that really go above and beyond. And the definition of above and beyond has to be the contemporary and their 70 foot tall Christmas tree. It has 200 custom-made ornaments and uses 15,000 lights. Uh, The Animal Kingdom Lodge has a gingerbread village outside the restaurant. Disney's Beach Club has all seaside-themed decorations. They also have a gingerbread carousel. Coronado Springs has all Latin American-themed decorations. And, like, so the Animal Kingdom Lodge also has, like, African-themed decorations. And also all of these decorations came from those regions. So like they had all like all of these decorations were made in Africa and like they were made in Latin America and you know which I just think is really cool. Yeah. One of the best by far though has to be the Grand Floridian. Their tree is only a measly four stories. <laughs> For reference, the contemporary. <laughs> you gotta pump seven those numbers stories. up. Those are rookie <laughs> numbers. Yeah, the contemporary is dwarfing you by three stories. Get your shit together. <laughs> but they also have 
all of the expected decorations, like the garland and all that beautiful, all of that beautiful stuff. And they have a life-size, intricately decorated gingerbread house that's made every year. It's like they make a new one every year, and it usually uses. It's 16 feet tall. It usually uses over a thousand pounds of honey. Takes 400 hours to bake all of the pieces and 160 hours to decorate it all by hand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And as amazing as all of these are, though, my favorite decorations are not put up by Disney. And I'm going to add these to the server now. So the Disney uh, Wilderness, Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground. It's a common tradition that uh, all of the campers decorate their campsites. And oh my gosh, people go all out. They, it's so cool. So not only did these people travel to Disney with all of their camp gear, their RVs and everything, they brought hundreds of decorations. Oh my God, the Stormtrooper one. The Stormtrooper one. Yeah, uh, I love the RV who made a whole Disney village in the like front window of their RV. They've got an inflatable Mickey and Minnie. Oh my gosh. There's one where they just turned their entire campground into a light show. But the best one is the group who brought, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, at least 20 stormtroopers, life-size stormtroopers, and dressed them all in ugly sweaters. And this Amazing. is in addition to lights surrounding all of the stormtroopers. And like I said, this isn't Disney. These are just people. These are guests. These are park guests who brought all, brought all of these decorations with them and just decorated to brighten everybody's experience. You know, this isn't something Disney requires. It's something they allow. But like, as far as I know, they don't tell people, hey, if you're staying here, do this. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. This is just like, all the pepper yeah. wreath. That you put on the server that's so cute. I love Isn't the lavender adorable? wreath. Yeah, I love the vegetable I... one is my favorite. I love the lavender one because that absolutely looks like the wreaths we made this summer. Yeah, it looks exactly like it. Um, we could make yeah. lavender decorations for Disney. Disney, hire us. Hire, oh my god, hire me. I was really good at it and I didn't slice my finger open unlike the lady three chairs down. <laughs> So glad that we she was at a table with like two educators who were like, I work with children. I have a literal like fully fledged first aid kit in my purse. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then we just took over making her wreath for her. Yeah. We made three wreaths in the time that it took the rest of the table to make one. Okay. So then, oh my gosh, the park decorations. I was going to get into all the intricacies and everything. Uh, but what I decided to do for this part instead is just do like fun facts just to blow your mind about how much shit Disney puts up in their parks. It's so much stuff. Oh my God. The park decorations are like absolutely stunning and obviously a huge undertaking. There's a designated team of around 40 cast members that works year round to prep, plan, maintain, and distribute the decorations for Walt Disney World, the Disney Cruise Lines, and all of the resorts around Disney World. Like, my this literal is dream just, job. Oh my God. I would be so happy. I would blow all of your minds with the decorations I'd come up with. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> like, Disney, if you actually wanted to hire me, I would do so well in this job. Please hire me. <laughs> um, they're never going to hire us after we've crapped on how they treat their cast members. <laughs> um, 
After I literally spent 20 minutes complaining about the very merriest party. We, we shit on all of their CEOs. <laughs> Constantly. Um, our first episode, we went on a rant about Michael Eisner. Both of us did in our write-ups. Um, but yeah, so year-round, they have usually around 40 cast members that work on all of this. And this is just for Walt Disney World. So just Florida and the cruise lines. Um, and then when it comes time to distribute and place the decorations, they bring on additional staff just to help with like the distribution stuff. And it's they usually bring on about 100 people to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christmas decorating starts as soon as the last guest leaves the not-so-scary Halloween party on October 31st. The second you are out that gate, they start decorating. Like, they may even start at the back of the park as you're walking out. They are on it. Most of the Magic Kingdom decorations, so Magic Kingdom's the only one that gets the full overhaul that night. They start putting up decorations in all the parks when they close, but they really focus on the Magic Kingdom. Okay. And that one will be almost entirely decorated before it opens the next morning on November 1st. Uh, the, and this quick rollout is kind of universal across the parks. But like I said, they don't put every single thing up. They can only decorate while the park is closed. And it can't, like, not every single thing can be completed in one night, but it's still pretty quick. All of the decorations in every park, cruise line, and hotel will be completely finished by November 26th. Wow. Yeah. So usually, I, I mean, that may vary from year to year, but I think, like, typically they aim to have it done by Thanksgiving. Because mm-hmm. they know people are going to start, like, coming for holiday stuff then. Yeah. Um, hold on. We talked about the snow briefly, but it's not snow. Not really. Like, it's not like a snow machine or anything. It's what's commonly referred to as snope. S-N-O-A-P. So it's a mixture that uses scope and the flakes are actually just clusters of hundreds of tiny little bubbles huh yeah interesting yeah so that way like it doesn't melt in the middle of the air if it does happen to be florida swamp temperatures yeah (laughs) um it takes 150 semi semi trailer trucks filled with decorations to deliver all of the decorations to the resorts and parks wow Um, the wreath at the cirque du soleil building is 25 feet in diameter, which means it's a two and a half story tall wreath, which I just thought was amazing. That's crazy. Um, the ribbons and bows on all of the trees in the parks use uh, use more than 300,000 yards of ribbon. <laughs> there are 1,300 decorated trees throughout the parks and hotels and 1,314 wreaths. The Osborne family spectacle of lights which I was not aware was a thing in Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios. Uh, I don't think uses... it happens anymore, though. No, but when it did happen, it used 10 miles of lights. 10 That's miles nuts. of That's lights. Um, all, all of the lights across Walt Disney World and the resort hotels use more than 8.5 million light bulbs. Cinderella's Castle alone uses 200,000. Like, Crazy. I just... This is insane. Millions yeah. of lights to decorate. Um, all of the garland, just like the the evergreen garland used throughout the property, stretches more than 15 miles. Oh, the stars. Uh, I, so my it must have autocorrected or I hit the wrong letter. It said the stars stop. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> the stars atop the trees. So the largest one is seven feet tall. That's 
taller than most, like pretty much every person, uh, and weighs more than 200 pounds. Like they got to put that shit up with a crane. Um, Gertie, the dinosaur's hat in Hollywood studios is so large that four people could stand comfortably inside of it. I love Gertie. I know. I love the little like ornament hanging from her mouth too. I know. The gingerbread display in the American adventure of the Capitol building, uh, Lincoln Memorial and Washington Memorial uses 50 pounds of gingerbread. Uh, all of the ornaments on all of the big decorated trees are custom made. Like all of them. Wow. The it's a small world ride uses 400,000 lights. Not worth it. Um, and in keeping with the theme of conservation, the lights in Animal Kingdom are all LEDs, so they use less energy. Huh. So yeah, those are my fun facts. Disney has a shit fuck ton of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they use so much stuff to decorate. But yeah, that's I just crazy. thought that was crazy. Yeah. That's our Disney holiday stuff, and hopefully we didn't turn you off from going, but like, we just want to give you all of the facts before you go. Yeah. Definitely, hopefully, like, if if this, you're listening to this and you're going, like, around Christmas, like, you will have fun yeah. as long as your expectations are realistic. Like, I promise right. you will have fun. Just, like, you're we want you to be aware of the reality of it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, our Disney Fever Dream or Original Channel movie this week is slightly different because apparently Mint has found a movie so insane that... She's just going to tell us the write-up. Yeah. Because we this, won't believe it's real. <laughs> this is, like, one of those movies where I'm like, this is why we, like, think that Disney Channel original movies are, like, our hallucinations from, like, being homesick during the school day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, like, I was reading this, and, like, I really wanted to use this, and I'm, like, reading the description, and I'm like, there is nothing I can cut out of, like, this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight paragraph synopsis you were gonna say page and i was like (laughs) what the fuck happened in this movie yeah i will be reading directly from the wikipedia synopsis there was nothing i felt like i could cut out and i was like i cannot write an eight paragraph synopsis of a fake thing because like there's (laughs) because just like this is too crazy all right so get ready for a dramatic retelling of teen (laughs) beach movie premiering in 2013 Here is the plot. Buckle in. Brady (laughs) and Mackenzie, Mac, are surfing near her grandfather's beach hut. She's a cool girl. Yeah. Not like other girls, hashtag. Um, (laughs) Scene cut. Mac then walks in on her grandfather and Brady watching their favorite film. Guess what the name of this film is? Teen Beach Movie? (laughs) It is a 1960s musical titled Wet Side Story. Which feels like it should be illegal. Like, that's just a porno name. So when you said she walks in on her grandfather, I was like, aww. And then... (laughs) With a name like Wet Side Story, she might as well be walking in on her grandfather. Like, Disney... So anyways, (laughs) where the surfers and motorcycle bikers battle for the privilege to hang out at Big Mama's Beachside Restaurant. This becomes important later. Later, Mackenzie's aunt comes by and explains to Brady that after Mackenzie's mother died, she had promised her aunt that she would attend a private school and is leaving the next day. 
It's Disney. Also, I should have assumed dead mom. Yeah. Also, Brady and Mackenzie are dating. Um, of course. Of course. And also, obviously, this has never come up before, that the mom's dead and she made this promise to go to this private school. Um, Mac asserts that although going is her choice, she feels like it is what she has to do since it's what her mother would want. She tells Brady they will have to break up. Clearly. <laughs> Before Mac leaves, she decides to surf a 40-foot wave that is about to hit the beach on her family's special surfboard. Alarmed, Brady gets on a jet ski and goes after Mac. They get swept away and end up on another beach. They soon realize they have been swept inside the wet they side story film. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seizing the moment, Brady joins the original cast in singing to Mac's dismay. Brady relents and informs Mac that there will be a storm uh, and a giant wave that should bring them back home at the end of the film. They go into Big Mama's and introduce themselves to the surfers just before the rodents social club bikers appear and start the surf and turf war. After, Mac and Brady are invited by the surfers to come to a party at Big Mama's later that night. Suddenly, their clothing is changed to fit the film and surfboard surfboards appear nearby. That evening during a dance, Mac and Brady are arguing while the film's female lead, Layla, one of the biker girls, is singing on stage. Tanner, the male lead, one of the surfer boys, falls in love with Mac after she bumps into him and Brady catches Layla when she falls off the stage. This interferes with the film's plot in which Layla falls into Tanner's arms, not Brady's. They decide to make Tanner and Layla fall in love to fix things. Brady also tells Mac about the villains of the film because apparently we don't have enough plot going on. Back uh, to Les... the future the musical. Yes. Uh, the villains of the film, Les Cambert and Dr. Fusion, who are going to use a machine to affect the weather to make sure that the surfers and the bikers leave so they can control Big Mamas and turn it into a beach resort. Because, again... There's not enough plot in this movie already. <laughs> because why the fuck not? Yeah. And also, people, real estate developers really want this tidy, like, beach shack restaurant. Yeah, they're going to turn it into a giant resort somehow. Yeah. Layla and Tanner express their love for Brady and Mac, who subtly suggest to them that there may be someone else that they are really meant to be with. That night, Mac joins Layla and the other biker girls for a sleepover, while Brady hangs out with Tanner and the surfer boys at Big Mama's. While talking about love, their modern relationship views conflict with the 1960s views. Mac and Brady do not make any progress with Layla and Tanner. That night, Layla tells Mac that she would like to surf, because priorities i guess mac and brady realize they are morphing into the film when mac falls into the water and her hair does not get wet they then begin singing and are unable to stop after the song mac and brady are captured by the villains and taken to the villains's lighthouse lair lighthouse <laughs> which is just as bad <laughs> yeah. mac and brady realize they are oh i already said that um Layla and Tanner fall in love with each other and soon realize that their friends convenient. have been kidnapped. Yep, convenient. They convince the bikers and the surfers to team up to save Mac and Brady. Meanwhile, Mac admits that she is glad that she ended up in the film and does not have to attend private school. When Mac says she thinks Layla is braver than her, Brady denies that, saying Mac is the bravest girl that he knows. The surfers and bikers free Mac and Brady and destroy the villain's machine. What kind of bikers are they? Are they like motorcycle? I'm assuming motorcycle bikers. 
Are they riding their bikes on the beach? Why are they having a surf with the surfers? Are they motorcycling the waves? Like, the surfers are on the water. They're not on your turf. I don't know. Um, They destroy the villain's machine. The film's plot returns to normal, and Mac and Brady realize they are able to return home. After saying goodbye to everyone, Mac and Brady get on the surfboard and ride away, which sends them back to the real world, where no time has passed since they left. The 40-foot wave is still approaching. Mac finally surfs the giant wave successfully. Mac's aunt is upset about her delaying her flight. I guess she, like, missed the flight to surf this wave. But accepts her decision to spend the rest of the year with Brady, because apparently the school is just going to be fine with her not showing up and, like, not going to school for a year. That's how Um, schools work. Yeah, because that's just how schools work. Um, Yeah. Mac and Brady celebrate by singing a song on the beach. In a post-credit scene, Layla, Tanner, Butchie, Seacat, Chi-Chi, and Giggles, who I assume are all side characters, wash up into the real world. A modern-day surfer thinks they are lost and allows them to use his cell phone, which they marvel at as they attempt to use it. So they set it up for a sequel? Yeah. And there there is a a teen beach movie, too. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, like, as you can see, I felt like I could cut none of that synopsis down. They took every trope and put it in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, Wet Side Story. I just, like, I couldn't get over Wet Side Story. Like, I, your synopsis just could have been, there was a girl watched, walked in on her grandpa watching Wet Side Story, and I'd just be like, okay, that's fake, that's a porn. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But yeah, We're I just felt like nothing I could write no. was going to top that. I don't remember writing that on my board. Uh, <laughs> I'll read it later. It's not appropriate. Um, all right. So thank you all so much for listening. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for the support. Since we last recorded, we are monetized. We're going to record our first ad. We've hit 200 listens. We have, this is our 10th episode. Like we've hit a lot of milestones. So thank you so much for listening and supporting us and being there. And just, this is awesome. We, this was just a thing that we did for fun because we like talking about this. And the fact that there are people out there who enjoy listening to this is great. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. So on that note, reach out. We would love to hear from you. We are Disney Adults Pod on everything. Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok. Every, I think everything is Disney Adults Pod. Yeah. We don't post on all of it yet, but we have plans to use all of that. So follow. Get ready for some good stuff. And we will talk to you next time. Bye, Bye guys. Lots. What do I say? Love and Love pixie, and dust. pixie dust from Mitt and Mabel. Mitt and Mabel. <laughs> <laughs>